You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Rags to Riches, Part 2. Enjoy. Well, last week we started a new series entitled Rags to Riches, and we're talking about prosperity. And um, if you haven't heard last week's message, we encourage you to go to highwaychurch.us. It's free. Click on the podcast button. And even if you have heard it, listen to it again. It will help you and get out your Bible and listen to the scriptures. Listen to the words of Christ and let them just soak deep down inside of you. Let him change the way that you think. Okay? So please avail yourself of that. This week builds upon last week. So we don't like to spend much time to review because we want to go forward in what we're talking about. So please listen to that message so you'll have the foundation for what we're talking about today. Okay? Rags to riches. So we know at Highway Church that uh, prosperity is one of several topics in the body of Christ that's surrounded by controversy. But we made a decision a long time ago, that we're going to rise above the controversy of man by simply looking to the Word of God for our answers. So we've made a decision at Highway Church to let God set the standards for our lives, not man. All right? To let the promises of God determine the quality of of our lives, not the opinions of man, not the religion of man. So we encourage people at Highway Church to take off the religious glasses and leave them off, okay? Why is that? Because the traditions of man will make the Word of God, the promises of God, of no effect in your life. That, that always amazed me from the very first time that I read that, where Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders of his day, saying that their traditions have made the word of God of no effect in their lives. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? The planet-creating word of God that is absolutely limitless can be of no effect in our lives due to what we believe. Wow. So we want to remove wrong belief and beliefs from our mind and replace them with the promises of God. And that's a process. Okay, so we want to encourage you to do that because we're all about what at Highway Church? Relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. And do you know the foundation of an intimate relationship with Jesus is taking him at his word. Just letting him be God in our lives. When you take God at his word, even though people will criticize you for it and and make fun of you or persecute you for it, when you just take him at his word, it develops an intimacy with, between you and him. And you'll grow stronger. And you'll experience more of him just by taking him at his word. Let's pull up Ephesians 6.11. We looked at this last week. It's good to look at it again. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, on the screen, put on the full armor of God. Why should we do that? So that we will be able to stand firm against the schemes 
of the devil. What is the armor of God? Do you remember from last week? It's the word of God, okay? Put on the armor of God. You wouldn't think of going into battle without going through basic training if you're entering the military. They wouldn't do that to you. The first thing you do when you enter active duty service, you go to basic training, right? Well, God wants you to be wearing the armor because we're in a battle. And that armor is the Word of God. Now, look at Psalm 91, verse 4. We're going to put it on the screens for time's sake. You can turn there if you'd like. Psalm 91, verse 4. The armor of God is the Word of God. I like how the New Living Translation describes it in Psalm 91, verse 4. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. Look at this. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Wow, God's faithful promises are your armor and protection. So what does Satan want to do? Well, he wants access to your life. Satan wants to do everything he can to steal from you, destroy you, right? But the only, he can't get access to you if you'll put your faith in the promises of God's Word. The promises of God's Word are the only thing that can stop Satan in your life. So what is Satan's schemes? He wants to lessen or discredit the promises of God in some way. He wants to try and get you to uh, take your faith away from them. He wants to try and water them down. Okay? He wants you to somehow think that God's promises are not for you. And what's interesting about every single one of the controversies that, that have gone on in the body of Christ, this really is one of the underlying premises, that something in the Word is not for you now. And that's just what the enemy wants you to think that these exceedingly great promises that God has given you, for some reason we don't really know, they're just not for you today. All right, so we don't want to give in to that scheme. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that God has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Why? So that through these we might become, you and me, we might become partakers of what kind of nature? The divine nature of God's very own nature. Is that really true? I love how it says it in the message. Can you put that up there, E? Look at this. Speaking of God's word, right? It's our armor. His promises are our armor, our protection. And it's through these exceedingly great promises that we partake of his nature. I love this. Listen to this. The, speaking of God's promises, look. The, his promises are your tickets to participation in the life of God. Wow. We emphasize the promises of God at Highway Church for this very reason. It's good to read the entire Bible. Every bit of it is, is spirit-filled, inspired, and, and, and God all the way. But in order to experience him, you've got to know the promises that he's made to you. That's one of the things we did last Wednesday. We gave you homework in our get-togethers on Thursday. And the homework we gave everyone is to find three promises 
from the Word of God regarding your financial life. You should have at least three promises that you know that God has made to you from the Bible that cover every single area of your life. Your marriage, your job, your children, your finances, your school, everything. All right? You want to cover your life with the promises of God, build your life on the promises of God. We saw last week that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus revealed to us a truth about how we operate in verse 21. Do you remember that? And what did Jesus say? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Did I say that right? There will your heart be also. What translation is that? That's the King James Version. Okay. In other words, Jesus is teaching us how we live, that we are all made in his image, right? We're all made in the image of God. We're free. We can choose to treasure anyone or anything, right? It can be good or bad. It doesn't matter. So whatever we choose to consider important, whether it's good or bad, our heart is going to follow after that. So important to understand that. doesn't matter if it's good or bad. What we treasure, our heart follows after that. And Jesus exhorts us all throughout his ministry to treasure God, to make our relationship with God the treasure of our lives. In other words, to treasure our relationship with God above everything we have and everyone we know. We treasure God above everything we have and everyone we know. And you know, Jesus, one of, his, one of the primary elements of his mission was to reveal God to the world, to show people who God really is, to make it crystal clear what the will of God is for our lives. And we saw last week in verses 25 through 33, of Matthew 6, we're not going to bring it up, we're not going to read it again, that Jesus is revealing to us how much the great desire that God has to provide for you, right? And if you're, if you're a, um, a, a husband or a father, you want to provide for your family, right? Well, Jesus in verses 25 through 30, uh, 33, I think we read, was, uh, was speaking to us, trying to, re <laughs> to get across the, the great desire that God has to provide for you and your family. In fact, he, he sets the standard at Solomon. He said that God desires to take care of you, to provide for you, to clothe you, more than the lilies of the field, which are clothed more than Solomon in all of his glory. So when we're talking about God's provision, we've got to let him set the standard for what he wants to do in our lives. And Jesus starts with Solomon. Who is Solomon? The wealthiest of kings. Jesus said God wants to do more in your life, provide for you more than Solomon, the wealthiest of kings. That's just the words of Jesus. And I think oftentimes we don't think that way because maybe we've been made to be afraid of thinking that way or that that's not right to think that way. Yet Jesus, our Lord, wants us to think that way. 
right? So you can go back and read that. We're going to keep on moving forward. We, we ended up in Mark chapter 10 last week. We'll go back there. We'll, we'll pick up where we left off. Jesus is, is, is revealing to us how good God is. In Mark chapter 10, we're not going to read it again. We, read verse, we went through uh, a number of verses, but in verses 17 through 27, it actually says, uh, I think in the King James, that this rich young ruler came running to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he was a performance base. He's thinking, what can I do? What things can I perform to be worthy enough to inherit eternal life? That's religion. Okay? It, God does, it's not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus did. See, it's based on relationship, not performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. So, and Jesus said to him, let's go to verse 28. Jesus already said to the, uh, to the rich young ruler, he tells him to, that he's lacking something. He tells him to sell everything, give everything as to the poor, and come follow Jesus. And Peter responds in verse 28. After this, this young person walks away discouraged, Peter says to Jesus, See, we've left all and followed you. In other words, you're more important, Jesus, to us than everything we have and everyone we know. Mm-hmm. Right? So Jesus answers and says, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold, that's 100 times as much, now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions, That's the people ridiculing you for for living the life God's called you to live. And in the age to come, eternal life. Now, what does he mean, leaving houses, brothers, sisters? So does God want me to leave my wife and children and go to some remote part of the earth to follow him? Of course not, right? Jesus said things like this throughout his ministry. He said something, he said, whoever does not hate, his brother, sister, mother, father, right, uh, for me. So he doesn't want us to hate. He's, he's trying to get us to value God more than everything we have and everyone we know, okay? So God's not looking for you to move to some remote part of the world. He's looking for you to value who he is in your life. And that's what he's talking about. Anyone who has, who has made me the treasure of their lives and the good news I bring, right? Jesus, he said, me and the gospel's sake, which means good news. So anyone who has elevated me and the good news I bring above everything they have and everyone they know, This is the reward they'll receive. Okay? Jesus talking. Just like Matthew 6, it's exceedingly great what he says. He says they'll receive a hundred times as much. Now, why did he have to do that? Why did he have to say this? I mean, couldn't he just said, 
you know, Peter, good job. Why do you have to go into and quantify our reward? Really? He quantifies it. He mentions Solomon in Matthew chapter 6, knowing full well everyone knows who King Solomon was and the wealth that he had. And now he says a hundred times as much. We looked at the average cost of a home in Massachusetts, $373,000, a hundred times as much. That's over $37 million. You think Jesus knew what the cost of homes would be in Massachusetts in 2014 when he said that? You think he's retracted it? No. Uh -uh. No numbers frighten him. Nothing frightens him. He's greater than every current situation and condition. So when he speaks, his word is forever. Okay? So why does he quantify this? Well, it's because of what we said earlier. His mission is to reveal the Father, to communicate to us how good God is and the great plan that he has for our lives. People will make you feel guilty for having one house that's nice. Christians will do this, that you shouldn't have that. Jesus is saying, I want to give you a hundred times as much. Wow. Wow. So he's trying to communicate to us the goodness of God and the greatness of his plan for our lives. Why does he quantify? Why does he reward? Because Jesus knows the Father. He understands what many believers are fighting about today and are arguing about today, that God the Father is a rewarder Mm -hmm. of those who diligently seek him. Jesus knew the heart of God. He knew his Father was exceedingly generous. He knew his Father lacked nothing. And then the, the heart desire of his Father was to reward Let's look at that in Hebrews chapter 11. So he quantifies his promises. More than Solomon, 100 times as much. Hebrews 11, verse 6. So boy, we really got to think big, don't we? We've got to change the way we think. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, but without faith. It is impossible to please him. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't say without doing uh, um, so many good deeds each day, it's impossible to please him. It doesn't say that, right? It says without faith, it is impossible to please him. What is faith? Confidence in who he is. Confidence in his word and what he's done. It's impossible to please him without that. Look at that. For he who comes to God. See, the rich young ruler didn't do that, did he? He didn't come to God in faith. He came based on his performance and on what he had. We don't come to God based on our performance and what we have. We come based on who he is. Isn't that great? That's why we start again. That's why we have a new day each day, that we can start again regardless of what mistakes we've made in the past. We can be free and go forward because it's based on who he is, not on our performance and what we've done. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe two things, that he is. And if your translation says he exists, that is not in the Greek. It should be he is. So you can write above it, he is. That's what the Greek says. Why does it say he is? Because God never tries to prove that he exists. It's blatantly obvious. All of creation declares it. He is. I am. 
Okay? You've got to know that He is I am. That before anyone argued about anything, he, before all of us were, He is. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the first. He's the last. He is the self-existent, same yesterday, today, and forever one. You must know that about Him. That he is, he is totally God. So in order to please Him, you've got to know He is. Okay? He is everything He says He is. He can do everything he said he can do. And look at this, two things you got to know. That's just not enough. And in order to please him, you've got to know that he is a rewarder. That's why Jesus said what he said. Because he knows you've got to know this about the Father if you're going to please him. So he had to quantify God's reward so that you could please the Father. That's so good. I like that. See, Jesus wants you to enter into a pleasing relationship with God. So he gave you his word so that you can know that God, the one you're in relationship with, is a rewarder. And he's the self-existent one. He's the I am. He, uh, he owns it all, and he wants to reward you with it. Wow. He wants to reward you with it. Now listen, we're not, it, have you ever watched game shows? Huh, I, when I was a kid and, and I wasn't feeling well, stayed home from school, I used to like to watch Price is Right. I used to think Bob Barker was the greatest guy. And uh, I used to like to watch that show. And at Will of Fortune, I think, was I watched that one too. But what do they do on game shows? They're competing, right, they, 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 to, to get a prize, and it might be a financial prize or a new car or vacation. Have you ever thought, where does that idea come from of giving someone a prize? Is that an evil thing that man thought up to, to greedily make money? Where does this concept of rewarding and giving prizes come from? It's from God. I'm not saying God is the game show host of Price is Right. But this, this concept that all of us have inside where we want to give something to someone, we want to bless people, right? That comes from God. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. I mean, if Bob Barker knows how to reward someone and Johnny... He's not on anymore. Come on down. You're the next contestant on the Price is Right. Who's the announcer now? You guys know? Anyone know who the announcer is? It used to be Johnny back in the day. George. Okay, George. <laughs> what happened to Johnny? Okay, so George. Yeah. If George and Bob know how to reward people, if man can come up with these fun ways of blessing people, how much more God? Isn't it funny how religion thinks? It's okay to have those things and to, where organizations, manly organizations can bless someone, but to say God wants to do that in your life, now you've crossed some mysterious line that man has drawn. But Jesus doesn't say that. Matthew 7, verse 7, look at this. Ask, and nothing will happen. No, ask. Remember, he's revealing the Father, the heart of the Father. 
More than Solomon, a hundred times as much. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. Him who knocks it will be opened. Do you see the generosity of God? Do you see this? What man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a serpent. That's insane, right? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Boy, Jesus says that a lot, doesn't he? How much more? Much more than. Why? Because the promises are much more than you've imagined. God is much more than you can dream of. His promises are exceedingly great. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what? Good things to those who ask Him. My, oh my. Wow, we could be thrown in jail in some churches for talking like this. But these are the words of Jesus. See, when you just get rid of man's opinions and just take Jesus at his word, it changes the way you think about God and about yourself. So take Jesus at his word. You can't work enough hours, you can't earn enough money to, to, to live the quality of life that God wants to give you. It's beyond what you can do. Beyond what you can do. Beyond what you can do. Much more above. Hallelujah. And I like it. It's kind of like Matthew chapter uh, 18 where Peter was saying, um, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone who, who sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven. Seventy times seven. Now, he quantifies something there. But I don't think he literally meant 490 times. He used the number seven, which is the number, ongoing number. It's complete. In other words, it was he saying that I should forgive someone 490 times, but on the 491st time, <laughs> no, of course not. So I'm going to say something to you. When he speaks, when he says 100 times as much, I don't think he's putting a limit on what God wants to do at all. He's simply trying to communicate the bigness of God's plan for your life. What would, what would your life look like if you owned 100 homes? $373,000 a piece. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, we're, we're just talking about thinking big. Think big. Let, your, let God's promises frame your future. Go ahead, God. And you're thinking, oh, I don't want to do all that. It'll wear me out. No, God, let God do it. We don't have to do it. Let him do it. It's the bigness of God. James chapter 1. I love this. I like how James says it. James chapter 1 verse 16. So we want this image of God strong inside of us. Because this is not about us. It's really about him, isn't it? Right. See, prosperity, biblical prosperity is not about us having more. Right. It's not about greed or selfishness. It's about experiencing God. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the joys of my life in, in experiencing God in the different areas of my life, uh, I mean, divine healing, enjoying that for 18 years. The things that I've received healing from, the greatest benefit of that was not the physical healing, but the intimacy that I developed by, by rising above 
the symptoms, the situation, and taking God at his word. And that intimacy is the prize. Same thing with prosperity. We're rising above the economic circumstances, rising above the limits of whatever employment we may have, and we're taking God at his word for the supernatural, exceedingly great manifestation of his provision in our lives. And it's not the provision that's the greatest prize. It's the intimacy we develop when we take him at his word. That's what we're after. That's what we covet. We covet intimacy with God. Some things you shouldn't covet. But the Word of God encourages us to covet earnestly the greater gifts. Covet earnestly deeper intimacy with God. That's the only thing we covet. Right? Hallelujah. So look how James says it. Don't be deceived. (laughs) About what? Well, let's look. What's the next verse? Don't be deceived. Every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above. Uh Uh-huh. So you can be deceived about things like that, can't you? You can be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There's the He is part of God, right? No variation, no shadow of turning. He is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be deceived. This whole concept of prosperity and wealth is from the Lord. Isn't that funny how religion is? Like wealth is something man came up with. Like prosperity was something some greedy man came up with, and we should stay away from it. God came before man. Don't be deceived. Every good thing, every perfect gift is from him. He's God. No one's more prosperous than him. Hmm. Look at 1 Timothy 6.17. Wow. Go back about, what was it, four, four or five books before James. 1 Timothy. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God. So is he he telling them to give away their riches, to not have them? No, he's saying don't set their hopes on them. Don't become proud or arrogant because of them, because, you, because you've got what you've got because of God, so set your hopes on Him. Look what, now here's the heart of God again. What does He do? Who richly and ceaselessly. What does that word mean? It doesn't stop. He richly, ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Is that the image you have of God? If it's not, let's change it starting today. That's our Father. He richly, ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, I would think those two words shouldn't be allowed to be in the Bible, our enjoyment. Right? They're not allowed in some churches. They've crossed that right out. But that's the heart of the Father. God wants you to enjoy life. I whispered whispered that. I don't know if you heard me. God wants you to enjoy life. Don't, don't, 
God wants you to enjoy life. He does. My goodness. He wants you to enjoy life. Hallelujah. Real joy. Intimacy with him. 3 John 1, 2. Heart of God. 3 John 1, 2. Beloved. Here's the heart of God right here. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Can't make it any more plain than that. This is just the Bible. The whole concept of doing well, of prospering, of having more than enough, all comes from him. Wealth is God's idea. Now, to, to uh, conclude part two here, we're, we're going to continue next week. I'm just gonna, we're just going to go through some scriptures, all right? We're just going to let the Bible speak for itself. And you've got to ask yourself, does what I believe about my financial life, about my finances, and about prosperity, does it match the exceedingly great promises of God? Does what I believe match and line up with the exceedingly great promises that God has made regarding prosperity? And if it doesn't, why? Why have I chosen to believe for less? Because we want to change that. Here we go. Ready? If you don't have time to uh, turn to all these, just write the references down and go home today and have them for lunch. All right? Proverbs 10.22. This is the Bible. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And he adds no trouble to it. Right? No strings attached. Right? No manipulation. It's not like those deals you get in the mail. Call now. And you'll get this for such and such and such. And then the fine print at the bottom, you realize you have to take out a insurance on your home or something, right? No, there's no strings attached. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. So now, see, that's the heart of God, right? We're just reading the Bible. Proverbs 21, 21. You ready for this one? He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Some translations say righteousness. Why does righteousness and prosperity go together? Because it's God. It's all from God. Righteousness is from Him. Prosperity is from Him. Don't let people getting mad keep you from what God has for you. Wow. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Proverbs 22.4. You ready for this one? Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth. What? Bring wealth and honor and life. So God, not man, God connects humility and the fear of the Lord with wealth. Man connects it with poverty. There are some who have a calling on their life, but because of the church they're in, they've taken a vow of poverty, thinking that is what is required to serve God. That is the opposite of God's way of thinking. 
Lack is from the enemy. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not. Can you imagine how the God must feel someone wanting to serve him, taking a vow of poverty, a vow to lack, when he's their shepherd who wants no lack to be in their life? He loves them. They can, but still, his heart must grieve, right? We're just reading the Bible. So humility, according to God, and the fear of the Lord bring wealth. Okay, then. And fear and honor in life. Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually. They're speaking the word. Let the Lord be magnified. What should we say? Who has pleasure. How often should we say that? It says continually. <laughs> Do you see how God wants us to think? Right? Let them say continually. So part of worship is believing this about God. Saying continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in our prosperity. Wow. There's no greed in this. There's nothing dark about this. This is love. What father is there that would not want his children to be well provided for? What father would get upset if his children did well financially? How dark it is to think of God in the ways religion has painted him. How wrong it is to make God like that. To make God think that he's upset because he doesn't want us to have things. Where does that come from? I'll give you a hint. Yeah, down there, right? What a wrong concept of God that's been preached. So he said, let's just say continue. Hey, Lord, be magnified. It gives him pleasure when I prosper. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The last scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, I have, I have more, but we're out of time. Last scripture, for I know the plans I have for you. Did, did someone put God up to this? Was someone holding a gun to his head to make him say this? Was he scared and shaking because someone threatened him? No, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's just the Bible. We're going to continue next week, and I'm telling you, get come ready to, res, to receive the word because God has a financial plan for your future that is exceedingly beyond what you've imagined. And he wants you to plug into it and get him involved in it so he can take you there. All right? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for just the sweet time we've had in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you're strengthening us, you're encouraging us, you're taking us higher every time we gather together. We thank you, Lord, that it is your pleasure for us to prosper. You are a good father. You are the father. You are the model that we all look to as fathers. And no one is more good, gooder than you. In Jesus' name. An important part of Jesus' mission was to reveal the heart of God to us. God's desire to prosper you is greater than you've imagined. 
The blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. Put your faith in him and let him take you higher. In Jesus' name, amen.